The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the mailbag edition. It comes out on Mondays, and this is the time where we answer your questions, and you always bring great questions to the table. Thank you so much for that. Here to help me answer your questions are my dear pals. First, find him on Twitter, at Chief in Carolina, looking dapper with a new haircut. What's up, buddy? Hey, man, I'm doing good. We're recording on a Saturday night, so, you know, it's a little different for us, but I'm enjoying the Saturday night recording vibes. Uh, we probably shouldn't do this super often, but, you know, <laughs> I, I'm enjoying it. I'm having a good weekend. We're halfway through, so I'm feeling it, and we're about to start getting Kansas City Chiefs football news, so I think we can all raise our arms, celebrate a touchdown in that, because I think we are all starving for some football. Don't Don't raise your arms if you're driving. Yeah, that's true. Please, yeah, please, please don't, don't, do, don't that. do that. Unless you're a good knee driver. <laughs> we do not condone knee driving. And we definitely have never done that in our lives. See, the, the problem is going to be we don't have media on the ground anymore. Like, training camp's awesome because you have this wealth of information, like this giant influx of information. We'll still get pressers and things like that, and that's great. Like, I'm looking forward to having, you know, coaches and players talk about some stuff again, but... We're not going to get evaluations of players. We're just not going to see them. So it's going to be a little bit different this year. We're going to be hanging on a lot of little comments that, you know, like Dylan McCullough is going to make about a running back. Like we'll probably talk about that for like three straight weeks at one point this offseason. Yeah, like, well, there'll be a whole Elijah McGuire week. Oh, yes, definitely. You know, they, there was some talks and some buzz that like maybe like, pra- like practices will just be like, broadcast you know like we'll get to kind of treat it like training camp but like i don't see that happening in a capacity that we're gonna like actually be able to glean anything from which is really frustrating with andy reed come on now yeah what do you think this is the senior bowl (laughs) we're not gonna get that kind of access oh it's just yeah i don't think it's it's really gonna be frustrating and and if we don't have preseason games i actually think it could be a good thing for the Chiefs because then all the undrafted free agents that they have the hashtag lottery tickets that they have that are so great aren't really gonna be able to get posted as easily all right let's jump into the questions we got a bunch of five-star review questions thank you so much for leaving those they they help apparently which is great, and and you guys always bring great questions. Killa4873 asks, do you think Patrick Mahomes becomes the best player in the world if he doesn't spend the time he did learning behind Alex Smith? Um, Yes, I do think he still becomes the best player in the world. I wonder if the trajectory is a little different, perhaps, uh, and maybe not necessarily in a bad way. 
Um, watching uh, some highlights of his, because I went back and watched some of the preseason stuff of him. And, I mean, some of the throws he's making, they 100% translate. I, you know, you could watch him at times and go, eh, you know, maybe he's going to get away with that against the top-tier defense, and maybe he won't. He gets away with everything. So I think it, I think he would have translated fine. And you saw week 17, he was pretty good. That last game of the year, he was really he was pretty good. So uh, yeah, I mean, it, I think it did help him though in some capacity for sure. Zach Tuttle asks, so is Brett Veach the best GM in franchise history now, Maddie? This is a bit of a tricky question because I think the problem you're always going to run into with Brett Veach, at least the way the front office and the coaching staff is structured right now. Andy Reid has so much say in what's going on here too. So like while Brett Veach has been great with the contracts and players he's found, I don't think that he's got like the control to just bring in whoever he wants, no matter what, let whoever he wants to walk. Like I think all these decisions still do eventually go through Andy Reid. So how much credit do you kind of split up between them? That being said, through the GMs that I've seen in my very short amount of time due to my youthfulness, I, I can't say that anybody has been a better GM than him. I mean, clearly John Dorsey did not work out any better with Andy Reid. Clearly Scott Pioli was not the answer, despite what a lot of us may have thought. And then Carl Peterson, I think, ruled the Chiefs for my entire lifetime before that, at least as far back as I can remember. So like during my very short, very youthful span, <laughs> yeah, the answer is yes. All right, Jordan Whitworth asks, before the 2019 season, it was reported that Brett Veach was working to acquire Earl Thomas. It's clear that Veach and Spags want to build a defense with a strong front and by forcing the quarterback to throw outside the numbers. With his low cap number and the salary cap clearly being fake, what do you think about Veach going after Jamal Adams? He said he would play another year under his rookie deal if it's the right team. You could trade a first and a third or a fourth and flip him for similar picks before the 2021 draft. I mean, in principle, yeah. Give me Jamal Adams on this team. I, I think we've talked about him enough now that where it, we would pound the table for Jamal Adams being on this Chiefs team especially if you were able to flip him for similar picks before the 2021 draft. But I'm going to attack this from two ways here. The Chiefs, according uh, our good buddy Chief Bearcat here, the Chiefs, after everything is all said and done with rookies and the top 51 and everybody's cap numbers in the books right now, have about $1 million in cap going into the 2020 season. That's not good. That's not enough to keep Jamal Adams. There's probably already going to need to be another move, maybe a Kelsey restructure coming up here before they get into this. But it's a situation where the Chiefs can't really take on even a smaller extra contract now because of how things are structured and the guys that they can't get out of. And then the other one, the Chiefs are going out of their way right now to kind of put their stamp on being a team that pays players well, and treats them well. If you are getting Jamal Adams, moving him to Kansas City for a year, and then flipping him around to the highest bidder again, you are going to have free agents. You are going to have players that aren't really going to be interested in that. It's different when they sign a one-year deal with you, but it's quite another when you trade for them and then just turn around and ship them out immediately after that. KC Giant 06 left a five-star review and asked this. Random football hypothetical question. Would a kicker that was 100% accurate once you reached the 50-yard line 
and could cause fair catches on kickoffs at the five-yard line. I, that, you can't. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, be the most sought-after player in the NFL. How big would their contract be? Dumb question, I know, but I've always wanted other people's thoughts on this. The ki- the the kickoff part doesn't have a ton of value because you can just kick it out of the end zone. And I mean, but interesting that a hundred percent accuracy inside the fifty is something. Dave Tobe is just foaming at the mouth right now. I can guarantee you that. I feel like his contract, like okay, like. $6 million, a little bit more than Justin Tucker. I don't really want to have a known commodity at kicker like or at kicker like that, though, because then you're tempted to kick field goals. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, half the NFL would be like, oh, sweet, we're inside the 50. Let's just take the three points. So, I don't know. It's it's interesting. I, I'd give him $6 million, though. I, I mean, you obviously want a kicker that's automatic from basically 60 yards out. Like, that's... That's excellent. If you get in that situation, it's free points. And the fact that you are able to force a team to down the ball at the five-yard line every single time obviously helps your defense. But that being said, I wonder how long kickoffs are for the NFL right now. Like, they are constantly modifying the rule. They are constantly trying to take things away from it. I wonder if we are a handful of seasons away from just abolishing them altogether because of the impacts and everything like that. So I'm not, I'm going to go that they wouldn't be that valuable because of that. I'm torn if I should continue my bit of abolishing specialists or take this question completely seriously right now. Or, or get a Dave, Dave Tobe jab in there somewhere. Yeah. There's a lot of different directions I can go with this. Um, realistically, Butker was the most accurate kicker last year. He only missed four field goals. Now, they prob- the Chiefs probably punted a few times that would be within this automatic range for this hypothetical kicker. But in that scenario, we're adding only 12 points by selecting this kicker over him. Like 12 points isn't worth a whole lot to me. I mean, downing the ball inside the five or at the five every single time is very nice. But even still at the five, a team gets a free run, at least one every single play. So it's not even like it's a high risk for a safety right off the bat. I just feel like we're a little bit off here from being an actual big gap between a Justin Tucker or one of the other top tier kickers to be that highly investable. And like I said, he would add 12 more points than Bucker if he kicked from the exact same spot from him every time. That just doesn't do me a lot of good. And like Craig said, he's a specialist. We don't need specialists in the NFL going forward. <laughs> Craig's words, not mine. So we're, yeah, we don't need this. Uh, Chiefs Daily. Time to jump to the Twitter questions, by the way. Chiefs Daily 15. What do you think is the worst move of Brett Veach's career as a GM and the best move of his career as a GM? People just set me up right now. Uh, Breland Speaks in the second round of his first draft. And I think in a trade up, we've talked about this a few times now he passed on a lot more talented players than i think just about everybody in the world besides the chiefs had as in that position not only that but he kind of picked a guy that was going to play out of position that didn't particularly have the greatest tape and then it goes on to where he's had some issues being in shape throughout his career now with the chiefs and now you're still trying to find a spot for him a couple years later you passed on a lot of talent but i think kind of the biggest question mark with this taking Breland Speaks at that point in time was you had guys to fill that position. They just seemed like they were trying to force a round peg into a square hole. They're trying to play it a little safe and they ended up getting a potential bust unless he turns it around right now. And as far as the best move, I mean, I'm counting Patrick Mahomes as his move, even though he wasn't the GM. He's the one that got everybody on it. That's that's my pick there. I'm saying it's his move. Maddie answered Kent. <laughs> I'm going to go with Anthony Hitchens contract 
not necessarily the player. Like if Anthony Hitchens is on this team at a little cheaper contract, I don't think that everybody is, you know, clamoring to get him off the team immediately, or maybe they would have moved on. Who knows? But basically the contract being what it is, you're paying Anthony Hitchens a lot of money to not be the kind of, you know, player that you want in the center of the park there for the Chiefs. And then the best move of it, Tyron Matthew. I, I, I'm tempted to go Frank Clark, but Tyron Matthew completely changed and evolved this defense for Steve Spagnuolo and for, you know, that that secondary. This, it was the right move and the right culture fit and the right everything, basically, for that defense last year. It's part of the reason why the Chiefs were able to rally and go and win the Super Bowl, so I'm going with Tyron. I do think it's, it's Breland Speaks. Like, that just, I, that one was so infuriating. They could have taken Fred Warner. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. I was a big Fred Warner guy that draft, by the way. Um, they traded up for Breland Speaks, like that. It it, it was an aggressive trade up, and then the and then the Bengals got Jesse Bates out of it, who was my guy. I mean, how frustrating. Uh, his best move as a GM, like I'm not gonna count drafting Patrick Mahomes, but what I am going to count, and I'm gonna continue to give this man credit for it. Brett Veach got up and said Patrick Mahomes was the best player he's ever seen before he started the 2018 campaign. He did that as his first GM, as his first press conference as GM at the Combine. And he said, Breland speaks, or he said, uh, Patrick Mahomes is the best player I've ever seen. Like So that, I think that was his first time it, at the Combine doing a press conference there. But he didn't have to call Patrick Mahomes the best player he's ever seen before he ever played a game. But Brett Veach had enough swag to do that. And that's how you know how invested and how much he actually believed in Patrick Mahomes. So you can talk about you know John Dorsey and all that stuff, but you can obviously tell that Patrick Mahomes had a huge advocate in Brett Veach. And that's why I believe all the stories about how he was very important in that, even though we can't give him necessarily all the credit for it. And Russell, 2018, which rookie slash undrafted free agent versus rookie slash undrafted free agent matchups would you find most interesting in training camp? I'd love to see Clyde Edwards at Hilaire versus Willie Gay Jr. one-on-one in the open field. That's a really good one, but I'm going to go with Lucas Niang versus Mike Dana. Uh, Both of those guys, uh, we're waiting to see their fit with the Chiefs right now. We're waiting to see Lucas Niang coming off of an injury. We're waiting to see Mike Dana maybe playing at a more comfortable weight. I think that both of those guys are going to answer a lot of questions at training camp. Now, we don't expect either one of those guys to be major contributors in 2021, but I would really, or 2020, I'm sorry, but I would really, really like to see those two go up against each other and just kind of see where they are at this point in their development and kind of see what we can maybe expect going forward in their rookie contracts. I think I'm going to have to go with Jerry Sneed versus Kalijah Lipscomb. That's cornerback wide receiver battle. I think Lipscomb is a good route runner. I think he's a pretty good technician. He's pretty good offline of scrimmage. So while Snead needs definitely to work on the technical aspect of playing cornerback, he's just got the raw athleticism to match just about you know any wide receiver in the league. So watching a guy that's a little bit more physical and just a little bit better of a route runner than some of the guys that Snead saw throughout his college career, I think it'll be a good matchup. And you'll get a good idea to see like how much or how close is Snead ready to play right now. If he can dominate a wide receiver that went undrafted like Lipscomb, but that clearly has some ability to at least run routes, 
then he might be ready to push for a starting job earlier. If it's a lot more 50-50 kind of plays, then maybe you need to send some more time with him on the bench and rely on Rashad Fenton in this season, especially if Breland misses some time. This is a defensive back on defensive back. I'm looking at Javaris Davis versus Lavert Hill and how they both, I, I think both of them are destined for the slot. I'm kind of curious to see if either one of them can uh, make an impact and, and, and prove enough that potentially one of them winds up making the roster. Um, both of them come at it a little bit differently. Lavert Hill is really smart and not a good athlete, and Javaris Davis is a really good athlete and has shown you know that he probably needs some work on the mental side. So they come about it differently, but they both are willing tacklers. They're both um, pretty physical players. I like them both. It's just you know they come at it a little bit differently. Steve Gray Jr. asks, who will be the Chiefs' mic in 2021? Well, we know that Brett Veach is probably going to go offense in round one, so you can write Micah Parsons <laughs> and Dylan Moses right off the board here. R.I.P. the so, dream. R.I.P. the dream. So I, I'm tempted to say Monty Rice out of Georgia. Oh, uh, call, he's calling the fronts for Georgia right now. He's got a little bit of range. Um, he, he he's actually not a bad little linebacker. That's probably going to be a mid round kind of guy, but that would require Steve Spagnuolo to trust a brand new linebacker to come in and do that. I'm not sure that he will trust to do that. Willie Gay, I think, does have the inside track if the Chiefs do move on from Anthony Hitchens, and then the Chiefs can go out and try and get another rangy pursuit linebacker at will and try and just keep some speed at the second level there. Captain Denny asks, what Brett, Brett Veach draft pick prices themselves out of Kansas City first? I can't remember if we talked about this on the pod or if it was just us talking about it. Derek Naughty, I don't I think he's gonna out he's gonna price himself out because I think a team's gonna value his early down work enough that they're gonna pay him a little bit of money. And that's one of those guys that the Chiefs probably have to sacrifice with the likes of, you know, Chris Jones now being back into the mix. So I think Derek Naughty is, is the guy that has the best chance of that happening to immediately. Um it, that's a big loss. I'm a big I'm a big Derek Naughty fan, honestly. I think he does some fantastic work on early downs. Yeah, that's mine as well. And we did say it on the podcast, on the Chris Jones podcast. We actually mentioned that DJ Reader's getting paid thirteen and a half million dollars APY right now. Woo! And Derek Naughty's probably gonna get close to that by the time his contract's up if he continues this this, you know, growth arc that he's on right now. So that's probably it, and I will be very sad about it. That would be my answer too. But I think with these two guys both taking it, I'm going to go with Byron Pringle. Not a draft pick, but a Brett Veach move. The Chiefs just simply have not put him on the field. He plays special teams and he plays special teams well for the Chiefs. When he does get on the field, he's performed pretty well. I just think at the end of his contract, a team is going to be willing to pay him a little bit of money to see if he can make it as a receiver. And I just, if the Chiefs continue not to use him, like it seems like they're using or they are destined to do right now, then he most likely is just not going to come back to Kansas City because another team is going to be willing to give him a shot and pay him like he gets a shot. Kyle K asks, two years into Patrick Mahomes' career, and we still haven't lost a game by more than a touchdown. Do you think that streak continues this year? And if not, who do you think breaks it? I think the streak does continue this year. I, I think as long as Patrick Mahomes is playing, as long as Patrick Mahomes is starting the game or playing, the, I'm going to say the majority of the snaps in the football game, I think that streak continues one more year. They lose it in 2021, and I don't know the team who they lose it to yet, but it'll be in the first quarter of the season of 2021 is when that streak is finally snapped on the road. 
All right, Bido22796 asks, which Chiefs star won't be on the team in 2022? Well, we just said it. It's Derek Nottie, right? He's a star. He qualifies, right? Does he? No. He Does he, though? Qualify. <laughs> now, I assume that's not who Bido is looking at here. I will say, oh, man, this one's tough. I mean, Sammy Watkins is the easy choice. I think they've done a good job wrapping up a lot of their stars so it's got to be somebody from the the most recent draft maybe a Juan Thornhill or a McCole Hardman if they if they can get the right value for him can I choose a player whose contract is up and let's say at the end of 2021 here because if that's the case I think Mitchell Schwartz is the answer <laughs> I don't think that the Chiefs are going to pay him what he would deserve to come back and I don't know if he's going to want another contract we've mentioned it a few times in this podcast we wouldn't be surprised if he decides to hang them up and retire, especially if the Chiefs win another Super Bowl or even two at this point in time. I think that he's probably good through the end of this contract if he wants to be, but I just don't see the Chiefs paying him top dollar at his age to keep coming back after that. I don't think Tyron Matthew will be here, but he's not under contract, and you never know. You know, you've got to play things out here the next couple of years. Um, you know, I. Tyron Matthew could very much be in play. Here's another guy that could be in play because BK, uh, pal of the show, member of the show, (laughs) (laughs) at one point, asked, will Chris Jones be on the Chiefs for the 2022 season? And this is a very interesting question for a lot of the structure of the contract, Maddie. I am going to go with yes. He will be on the Chiefs roster in 2022. Does he finish the season on the Chiefs roster? I guess would be a little bit more up in the air, but I think to start the season for sure, at the very minimum, he's on the Chiefs roster. I think they can't, they cannot release him before the season, correct? This is his last kind of season with the big injury guarantees all fully go through. So unless they would trade him at this point in time, he is going to be on the roster. And I don't think unless things just completely fall apart with Patrick Mahomes, apparently health, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. But besides that, they're going to be competitive. And if you're going to continue to be competitive for a Super Bowl, I don't know why you would walk back on this deal. Yeah. I mean, as long as they're still running, I expect him on the team. But I'm going to say no and I think they're going to trade him just because of the no signing bonus thing. Like, I keep coming back to that. There's a reason behind it, and I don't think that it's necessarily just COVID-related. So I, I don't know when it will be. I don't know if it will be right before the 2022 season just to try and restock the Chiefs kind of draft cupboard because maybe they're getting a little bare with a couple of years of not being able to play in free agency. So I do think that they will do it. I don't know when, though. Yeah, I. here's the thing. Like, I said Tyron Matthew earlier, and I saw this Chris Jones question coming. So I, I wanted to right. try to, you know, give you some different insights and some different answers here. I'll just be frank with you. Um, I think it could come down to a Tyron Matthew or Chris Jones kind of situation, potentially. 2022 is where it gets really tricky. That's where things start to get a little dicier for this team as they try to navigate this. Um, and it, there's 2022 is going to be a big year for them. Because there is some contracts that come up in 2021 that, you know, I think Eric Fisher and, and Mitchell Schwartz are both up in 2021. Uh, Tyron Matthew up in 2021. Uh, there's there's some big decisions to make there. And I think you might have to choose between some guys. So it might be a situation where the Chiefs are having to sit there and pick between Chris Jones and Tyron Matthew, for, for instance, which would be wild because it feels like Tyron Matthew should be a Chief for life now. 
and he's really only got two year, years left guaranteed on his contract. I think it, here, here's a hypothetical here. With the NFL draft coming to Kansas City in 2023, does Chris Jones get traded for a future one so that Clark Hunt makes sure that Brett Veach doesn't trade a first-round draft pick <laughs> when the draft is in Kansas City? I mean, I, crazier things have happened. It'd be fun to have two, two first-round picks during that draft. Man, oh, he I'm would so he wouldn't I have forgot two, about that. He wouldn't have two first round draft picks in that draft. He'd still trade uh, just, out with one of them. It's probably it's probably gone at the yeah, it's probably a good point. It's probably gone by now. All right, we're gonna take a break and we'll be back with more of your questions from Twitter right after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Benjamin D. Foss asks, do you think the Chiefs will keep some players, uh, for example, Matt Moore, quarantined from the rest of the team as an insurance policy in case the other players in that position group get COVID? Hopefully we won't need it, but it seems like a smart idea. Actually, as soon as the Matt Moore news came down, that was kind of my initial thought is like, I wonder if they are going to do some kind of quarantine quarterback in some capacity. Would not surprise me in the slightest. And Matt Moore actually is the perfect guy to do it. Because we saw, you know, you, he came into the Broncos game without any reps with the first team. All right. Was it any reps, period? It was, it, was, it was zero offensive reps, I think, if I remember correctly. So Matt Moore is uniquely capable of just drop being dropped in and, and you know, contributing at an, an adequate level. Sports Talk Evan asks, your regular season recap got me reminiscing. If you haven't listened back, go listen to the best of the regular season. We did it Friday and it was a lot of fun to put together. We're going to do one for the Titans and the uh, Texans game. And then we're going to do one entirely for the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl one's going to be lit. I've been listening back to some stuff. Both of them are going to be fun. I'm really geeked out. There's some fun stuff from us from those those two from the rest of the season on. Uh, anyways, what's everyone's favorite play from the re- regular season besides Fitz Magic? I think that this is pretty easy for me. The Bashad Breland... 100-yard fumble return in the Lions game, I still, I I watched it recently on my timeline here, and I still have no idea how that play came about, how that all happened and all of that. It was just incredible. What an, um, just an insane, you know, series of events to fumble the ball, Breland to have the heads up play to pick it up and then run it back. It just was awesome. And I mean, Chiefs ended up winning that game 
because of their red zone defense that game, and they needed that game basically to get the bye by the end of the year. So very important play, and it was just it's still just unfathomable how that happened. I have two, and I'm going to cheat and take both of them. First, the playoff game against the Titans. Frank regular Clark season. Completely. Regular season. What? The question was regular oh. season. So, no, you only have one well, answer. Okay. Okay. That's fine. I now only have one answer. And the Lions game made this twice as Travis Kelsey catches a pass over the middle of the field and randomly impromptu laterals back to LaShawn McCoy, who had no clue the ball was coming, and it somehow worked. I my other play was much more technical and much more fun from like a football geek perspective. This was just fun from a casual fan that you just don't see a play like that happen pretty much ever. Bashad Breland's making this list again for me and for us. And I'm glad I, neither of you took this play. His pass breakup against Julian Edelman against the new England Patriots to seal the game and basically give the chiefs a fighting chance at a bye uh, is, is my pick for this. And uh, I so like here. Here's this is where I, I don't know if I'm a terrible parent for this. I'm not. My wife didn't care. It was great. Um, she understood. My my uh, my kids' school had their Christmas program at like five or six o'clock, and the cheese schedule had been out for a while. So I kind of blame them. Uh we and we were just having to watch like the end of the game on TV, like on my phone because we weren't getting, you know, like we were having to wait for the, for the program to happen and all that stuff. So, and everybody, like everyone in the building was doing it too. Like I was looking around and all these guys are just over here, just like watching and all stuff. The program hadn't started, watched the pass breakup, celebrated all that good stuff. And then watched my kid uh, go out and do his thing. He did great by the way. Cause everybody cares. Brandon 422 asks, give me the order of importance of all these things, I'm not going to have us rank seven things all individually. That's going to be too tough. So here's what I'm going to ask you guys to give me the most important thing. Cap space, locker room brother mentality, brotherhood mentality, keeping all of your coaches, monkey off the back of winning a Super Bowl, core group locked up for the immediate future, desirability of Chiefs for future free agent signings, or spags on the defense in his second year. Yeah, it's keeping all the coaches for me. I think that that's going to be, especially in a pandemic year, a shortened off season. I think that that's most important because those guys are going to be able to walk in the building, know exactly how each other works off of each other. And game day is not going to be an adjustment period. You know, with the coaches learning how everybody does stuff, they're just going to be able to walk right in, do everything the way that they would do it. And the leaders on this team know the way that the coaches want things done as well. So I just think that that's, that's supremely important in this shortened off season. Give me Steve Spagnuolo on defense for his second year. I think you saw in the second half of the season how much better the defense was playing, not only just in terms of understanding what each other wanted to do, but the defensive scheme expanded a lot more. The Chiefs were doing a lot more things on defense as the year went on. You could see teams all the way up to a Super Bowl just had a hard time getting a beat on what the Chiefs were doing. And I think a ton of that was Steve Spagnuolo and Tyron Matthew understanding what they needed to do to get everything going. I think year two is only going to be that, but even better. And you get that for a full season, arguably with a little bit more talent. And this defense could be really something this upcoming year. 
I think when your goal is to win another Super Bowl, which I think the Chiefs have made it very clear their goal is to repeat right now and they'll deal with the future as the future comes, that thing right there probably plays the biggest role for me in terms of winning the Super Bowl again this year on this list. It all starts with the best player in the world. And the best player in the world resides in Kansas City. He's a quarterback and he's chasing a legacy. The hardest part of chasing a legacy is winning the first one. Patrick LeVon Mahomes has does not have the pressure that Dan Marino had his entire career of getting that first one. He got the first one. And now the best player in the world is experienced and he's going to be playing free the rest of his career because he finally got the monkey off his back. His mentality has changed. I like that mentality from the best player in the world who resides in Kansas City, Patrick LeVon Mahomes. Give me the monkey off the back of winning a Super Bowl. I think it's going to matter really specifically with Mahomes because legacy chasing is hard when you don't have a ring. He's got a ring, and now he gets to get greedy. And we in Kansas City are all going to cherish and relish in the fact that he's getting greedy because it's going to be ugly for the next 12 years for the rest of the National Football League. Drewski Ed 13 asks, who has a more productive year or sees the field more this season, McColl or D-Rob? I think that's actually a separate answer for both. I think D-Rob sees the field more this season. Uh, Andy Reid trusts him to be on the field a little bit more. You know, we, we've talked about him running the full route tree and everything like that. Even if he doesn't do it fantastically, he still does it. Yeah, Andy Reid trusts him to do it. And McCall Herdman, I think, should have the more productive year. I think that he's got the potential to put together a similar year to last year. And with that being said, I don't foresee D-Rob getting to that. So I think D-Rob's going to be on the field more. McColl's going to produce more. And the two of them are just going to be in this weird timeshare. Don Beal 32 asks, what college conference closely resembles or closely describes the AFC West and what teams could each resemble? Okay, I've, I've thought about this a little bit. And Matty hasn't because he gets, gets sprung on him, which is great. I'm going to go with the ACC. Damn it. The the Chiefs are Clemson. They have an elite quarterback. And they just dominate everyone else in their division. And it feels like they're, you know, there's always some buzz about one other team potentially coming up and trying to, you know, hang with, with, with the ACC champs, but they just can't. It's, it's, it's the Clemson Tigers running away from everybody. Yeah, uh, that was going to be mine for the exact same reasons. Can't we must hang out or something like that? That must be the reason behind it. I I was even going to go so far as to say like North Carolina is the Raiders because everybody's hyping up their weapons right now. And you know, yeah, go. Kate. I know where Maddie's going. You know where Maddie's <laughs> I going? I think I know where Maddie's going. Do I? All right, oh, he's no, doing I'm not, it. He's I'm not doing gonna. It. I'm not gonna hold this up this any is further. Be Let's good. go. The Chiefs are the Missouri Valley Football (laughs) Conference. And to make our good pal Jacob Morley happy, the Kansas City Chiefs are the North Dakota State (laughs) Bison. We are destroying the AFC West like the Bison have that poor conference. They are playing a different brand of football that has ever existed in that conference. You know what? The Raiders... They're going to be Missouri State because we own them. They can just come to our state and hang out. They're practically our stepchild at this point in time. Denver is Northern Iowa. Like, yeah, they had a couple of years of fun, but nobody cares anymore. The Chargers, uh, they can be Youngstown State. Most people don't even know they have a football program anymore. What city are they playing? Where's Youngstown State from? No one knows. That's the Chargers. 
Perfect. <laughs> Drop the mic, no, Maddie. No, he nailed it. He nailed it. You can go home, Maddie. We'll take the we'll take the rest of the podcast. I, we gotta buddy. end that, the show. That, you nailed it. <laughs> he got all the teams. Like he actually he answered no, all the questions. No, that's perfect. It is funny that like that like Craig thought the same wave was on the same wavelength I was, and then I knew where Maddie's going just by the look on his face. I knew a Maddie answer was coming. And it's really not a Maddie answer. It's just a very outside-the-box no, answer. A, That's really what answer. it is. It was a great, phenomenal job, Maddie. God, that was so good. Lake Tony 44, with the signing of Chris Jones, does this make any of you think that there was an offer from another team before the draft that they said no to? Yes. I, I think that there's an offer for just about every team or every player. Like there's very few players that I think are completely off the table. And I think, uh, you know, I think people would be surprised a little bit to, to know the number of offers that get just kind of thrown out there, even if they're casual offers. So I think that maybe, or I think the chief definitely got an offer for Chris Jones and it may have been an insanely low ball offer for Chris Jones. We heard leading up to the draft that the chiefs, could be looking to move Chris Jones. That information doesn't just get thrown out there. So some team definitely called and asked. Now, that doesn't mean it was ever a serious offer, but I do think that they did say no to an offer before the draft. All right, Chief RDG. Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl. It's the fourth quarter, and they're down five, and they're driving to score. Fourth down, two seconds left in the game on the three-yard line. Who do you give the ball to? And how do you get it to them? Is it a pass, run, toss, play action, RPO, et cetera? I think that it's going to be, uh, we're going to run parade again. They're going to do the same shift. And this time they're going to pitch it to Sammy out in the flat and have him beat one of the corners in space. And he's going to do it. This is hard because I think Craig's right. In this situation, I do think Andy Reid would have a play call that is a little bit not normal, drawn up and ready to go. But if I were the coach, I'm trying to get the ball to Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill, and they're going to be working off of each other, same side of the field. Travis Kelsey's running his little patent and whip route back to the outside. I have Tyreek Hill coming on a slant behind him over the middle. Tyreek Hill hasn't been super effective in the red zone over the middle, but that's not going to stop teams from respecting him. We can also put Sammy or somebody over there just to run to the corner to occupy some space. But this is where the real fun comes in. New toy, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, angle route, Texas route. They're off into the middle. Everyone wants to swarm to everybody going outside. We still have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire there. Essentially, what I'm saying is Patrick Mahomes is going to have his options of playmakers to go through. But I would look first to get to Kelsey. Just in the red zone, I think he's your best target. I hate cutting the field in half, typically. I You've probably heard me on this show. Uh, argue that I think I would with Patrick Mahomes in some kind of sprint outlook uh, and Travis Kelsey working with them because if you think about the Texans game that's the, the the Texans game the Chiefs eviscerated you know the Texans with Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes and it was just these in very contested and congested spaces it didn't matter he was just operating in a phone booth, and it didn't matter at all. I don't know what it is about that, but it works. And I, I'd go, I'd, I'd move the pocket, and I would move Kelsey with him, and and those two are gonna score, even though it goes against a lot of what I've argued in the past. The playoffs changed my opinion of that. 
Uh, free Winona 58, rewatching last season, one of the biggest differences from 2018 to 2019 was penalties or the lack of them. Used to be an enormous issue is that randomness or sustainable change. I don't think the Chiefs were too much better in penalties that last year. I think the types of penalties are different. They were terrible holding uh, outside. The cornerbacks were getting real grabby. They were challenging uh, the refs to, to make that call all day. They, they still got a lot of pass interference and a lot of defensive holding calls in the secondary. So I don't even know if it's that the, the numbers are real down statistically on the penalties for the Chiefs. It's just that Maybe the types of penalties were a little bit different because I thought I thought they still were pretty pretty aggressive there. Derek Litke asks, back during Super Bowl week, Pete said on one of the podcasts that he thinks the 49ers will be Super Bowl contender or or will be Super Bowl contenders year in and year out uh, in the NFC, like the Chiefs should be in the AFC. Do you agree with him? Yeah, I agree with Pete there. I don't think the 49ers are going to be a Super Bowl contender year in and year out, kind of just like he was saying. And for me, it's because if you look at how they got there last year, they had a very easy schedule during the regular season, which helped lead them to the first number one overall seed. You look at their playoff games, and I think they threw, what, under 30 passes in their first two playoff wins before they had to go up and play the Chiefs. I just don't think that's sustainable year in and year out. Then you flip over to the other side of the ball where they're really winning games. Defense is significantly less stable than offense year to year. And then you consider guys that they lost, like their best defensive lineman last year with DeForest Buckner. I just don't see them being as dominant this year as they were last year. And then you considered losing Emmanuel Sanders, one of their biggest weapons on offense. Just the team doesn't have the same firepower. And to see Jimmy Garoppolo lead them back to the Super Bowl again year after year just seems like a long shot at this point in time. Jayhawk1108 asks, what made you guys so high on Bo Pete Keys? Does he make the roster or will he spend a year on the practice squad? Uh, Bo Pete Keys, the reason I think we were, I, I don't want to speak for every, the reason I was high on him is you, know, you watched all, some of his tape and he checks a lot of boxes. He's got the length, he's got the size, he's a willing tackler, he's physical at the line of scrimmage, he can run, and he can turn and locate the football. That checks a lot of boxes, especially for a Steve Spagnuolo cornerback. Um, you know, I, I think there's, you know, and I think high is relative to, to some things like I value him. I think we valued him. What is a fourth round pick? Craig, is that right? Yeah, it was right at a fourth round pick. So, I mean, you know, fourth round pick, you know, has a chance to be a contributor on your football team, uh, and a, and a pretty high chance of being a contributor on your football team, getting him in the sixth round, I think was really good value or a seventh round. I'm sorry. was really good value. Um, and I think that that's, I, you you got to look at a seventh round pick in the same way you kind of look at lottery tickets. But I think what you look at is he's a really good lottery ticket. You know, he's got good odds. He's got better odds than some of the guys that got undrafted. And I do think that he's a guy that the makeup that he has, the you know, we got to talk to him or I got to talk to him, his willingness to play special teams, his willingness to tackle, um, and, and, his, and his profile fit perfectly here. And if those all things are, are, are true and real, then he's going to make this football team. Uh, and I think there's a chance that he develops to a good corner. Yeah, and he's not lacking in confidence. No. He's a very confident individual. You need that as a cornerback. you got to be able to feel like you can hang, especially at the NFL level, and I like that. Like I like hearing him say, you know, no, I'm going to be the best cornerback in the NFL, and the Chiefs obviously felt like they weren't going to be able to get him in UDFA, so they traded back in. So I think that there were going to be some competitors. Obviously, other teams liked him as well. 
KC Sports Fan 83, with the addition of Clyde Edwards Alaire, how important will Damian Williams be to the Chiefs in 2020? And do you see him moving on in 2021 to success with a different team? I like that last part. It's very interesting. Yes, I do too. I think Damian Williams can find success on another team. I definitely do. He's an excellent third down back. He's got plenty of speed. If you give him space and, you know, some easier reads to hit, especially in an outside zone heavy scheme or something like that, Damian Williams is a willing enough blocker, a good enough pass catcher, and has enough burst to make teams pay, as we've seen with the Chiefs over the past couple years. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to make Damian Williams be a little less important in this offense. So I think that Damian Williams is going to be on the chopping block or going to be on the trade block, I should say, not the chopping block. I don't think they're just going to walk away from him, but I think he's going to be on the trade block this offseason. So I'm not sure that we're even going to wait to see him move on to another team in 2021. Obviously, COVID and the pandemic changes everything a little bit here, but I think the Chiefs are very heavy at running back, and they could just move on and try and get something out of Damian Williams this year. Chief Bearcat tweeted out earlier today that the Chiefs are going to have to make some kind of move to free up some con or some cap space because they're only going to have $1 million in their emergency fund for the year, and that's just not enough. Damian Williams, you could get top dollar for him and save a little bit of cash there. Just saying. Stegaman17, do you think Andy will stick around for all of Pat's contract? If so, does he retire with the all-time wins record? Woo! I don't think he's going to make it all the way through the end of Pat's contract. I think he's going to ride the wave for a little while. I really do. I think he's going to groom the team and somebody to be his successor. And I mean, there's a chance he makes it pretty deep into this contract, maybe even to the point to where they would restructure Mahomes' deal going forward. But just thinking right now that Andy's going to make it, I mean, another decade of coaching just seems like it's so far out there. Although, I mean, he said it. He said he's going to be there. So we'll see as the time gets closer. I just know that it's a lot of work and a lot of stress he puts on his body. He's not a young guy anymore. That's just a long time to lock in for a decade. But if he did, by any chance stay the entire time i think he gets close but at the same time bill belichick's still cooking too and i don't think the patriots are great i don't think their team is set up to be great without tom brady but they are still going to win enough games and i think he'll be able to hold off andy all right one more question for us craig close us out graver tanner asks what is your way too early prediction for the starting interior offensive line I think it's Martinez Rankin at left guard, Austin Ryder at center, and LDT at right guard. And I don't think that there's really much of a chance for any surprises there. I think Daryl Williams is the only other guy that maybe could push Austin Ryder. But a UDFA in a pandemic year without the full offseason, I think is going to be just way too difficult to try and sort that out. And Mahomes and Ryder have familiarity. So I think it's just those three. And I think it's pretty solidly those three at this point. Yeah, it doesn't really feel like there's much mystery. I think there are some people out there that do think there is more mystery to the interior offensive line. The only real spot is left guard and maybe Andrew Wiley. Maybe Maybe. Andrew Wiley is in the mix. Andy Reid, by the way, is 66 games behind, wins behind Bill Belichick. So we need Bill to retire here the next four or five years and then Andy's just got to go on an absolute run to get past him. But True. I mean, Bill's Bill's, I mean, it's going to, well, even then like Andy's going to have to, Andy's got to win 121 games 
in the next 12 years to pass Don Shula. And if oh, Bill, so he he's just got to average 10 wins a year for Done. 12 years. For 12 years with Mahomes, it's got to be 12 years though. It's going to be Done. interesting. He could, Easy. he could do it. Just depends on how long Bill sticks around. Because that's you know that's 50. He's 55 games behind Shula already. So if Bill plays another five and averages 11 wins, he's right there with Shula. Hey, if Andy sticks around, it's going to be close. I hope he does. Frankly. I hope he does. All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to check out the AP Editor Show on Tuesday. We will be back on Wednesday. Catch you. Alternate best play. Frank Clark scaring Philip Rivers back into the huddle.